Amen. So just like we said, uh, kids, stick around for just a minute. We know it's a little bit different. I know parents, you are probably eager for your kids to get to their classrooms, but I promise it'll be worth it, okay? Uh, my name is Blake again. I'm one of the pastors and the elders here at Refuge, and it's my joy to continue preaching through our series in Ephesians uh, this morning. Um, so kids, I ask you to stick around for just a few minutes uh, because here in Ephesians 6, uh, the, the first part of these verses are actually for you specifically. Uh, and so what I'm going to ask you to do, go ahead and grab your Bibles around you and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back. We have some of these tables here to my left and right. Uh, go ahead and grab one. If you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. Please just go ahead and take that home. It would be our joy to, uh, for you to take one of these Bibles. So um, if you can, go ahead and stand with me as we read God's Word together. Uh, starting in Ephesians 6, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the very word of God graciously given to us. Y'all may be seated. Sorry, I meant to have that up on the screens, and I fell down on my job, so. So these first verses, um, so let me hear where all the kids in the room are at. If you are 18 or younger, let me hear a holler. Kid, okay, I have two kids in my house, and they are way louder than that, okay? I know we have more in here, so let me hear. If you are 18 or younger, let me hear a scream. There we go. Okay, so I know we got some kids in here. So this first four verses are for the kids. Let me hear you again. There we go. I know y'all are more energetic than that. I know y'all are hypier than that. I need, I need, to, hear some, I need to hear some noise, okay? So these first, uh, these first few verses are just for you guys. And how cool is it, how cool is it, kids, that God gave us Scripture not just for adults, but for everyone? Isn't that super cool? Like even just for, even not just for guys like me, old guys like me, it's for all of us. All of us get to benefit from the Word of God. How, how amazing is that? So this first verse that we see is this. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, the parents said, Amen. Parents, go ahead and high-five another parent right next to you, okay? This is the Word of God, okay? This is the Word of God. So, so kids, let me ask you this. What does it say here? Kids, what should you do to your parents? Should you ignore them? Listen to them sometimes? Does it say that do what, you, do what they say only when you feel like it? No? What does it say? You should what your parents? Obey your parents, for this is what? Wrong? No, for this is what? Right. Obey your parents, for this is right. So that's what it says right there. Obey your parents, for this is right. So yes, it says that we should obey our parents. So so kids, what does it mean to obey your parents? I'm really asking. What What does that mean? Do what they say. That's right. They should do what they say. Now, should you do what they say sometimes? No. Do what they say when? All the time. Because this is right. That's right. All right. So I'm seeing lots of smiles on, kid, on parents' faces. That's what I'm seeing right now. I'm seeing a lot of kids begrudgingly answering my questions. That's what I'm seeing right now. And it says, because, and it says that you guys should obey them in the Lord. And so kids, what that means is that when you obey your parents... It puts a smile on God's face. When you obey your parents, it makes God happy for you to do that. And so what we see is we see that 
we are obey our parents. It tells us what to do. Now, these next two verses are also for you kids. It tells us why we should do it. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you in the land. And I'm sorry, that it may go well and that you may live long in the land. So in these two first God, verses, God is reminding us way back in the Ten Commandments, way before these verses in Ephesians are written. And he's telling us that your parents expect you to obey them. And it isn't just because they're being mean and making up rules and doing things just to hold you down. That's not what they're doing. And so, so why would God tell us to obey our parents? Well, it says right here that it may go well with you in, and that you may live long in the land. So in other words, your parents tell you to do things not because they're mean or they're trying to go on some power trip. They're doing it because they love you and they want what's best for you. And I understand you hearing me say those words, you might not believe me, but I promise you that's the case. God wants you to obey your parents because your parents want what's best for you and they love you. So now, kids, raise your hand if you love your parents. I better, saw every, I better have seen every single hand go up, okay? Now, now kids... Keep your hand up if you believe that your parents love you. I didn't see any go down. That's good. Okay. I didn't see any go down. That's good. So that's right. Your parents love you. You can put your hands down. Your parents love you so much. They really, really do. I want you to hear that from this guy preaching up here on the stage. Your parents love you a lot. They really, really do. So let me ask you this, kids. Um, any, how many of you, raise your hand if you like receiving presents. Y'all don't, y'all don't like getting gifts, right? No, gifts are terrible, right? We don't like getting gifts, right? No, of course we do. We love getting gifts. And here's something that's really cool that the Bible tells us. Children are a gift to their parents. You, kids, are a gift to your parents. That's what the Scripture tells us. And at the same time, God chose your mom and dad for you as a gift to you. I want you to know that, kids, okay? So kids, before you head off to your classrooms, what I want you to do is I want you to do something. I want you to look at your parents in the eyes right now. I need laser beam focus. Look in your kids in the eyes. Repeat after me. Mom or dad, I love you. Thank you for doing what's best for me. Man, not a lot of excitement in those words, huh? But yeah, but that is true. Your parents love you so much. But here's the thing. Guys, it's, it's easy to obey our parents when we believe that they love us, right? It's easy to obey someone when we believe that they love us, and they do love you. But what I want you to know is that it makes us happy, it makes God happy when we obey them. And even more than our parents love us, God loves you way more than your parents do. Way more than your parents do. And so if you're not going to obey your parents because your parents say so, obey your parents because Scripture, God Himself, is telling us to obey. And how do we know that God loves us, kids? Because in Scripture, it says that God shows us that He loves us because while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God shows us how much He loves us because He sent His own Son to die on the cross for us. So we can trust that God loves you. You can trust that God knows what He's talking about. And we can trust God when He tells us to honor our mom and dad, okay? So let me hear it one more time. Children, you are to what, your parents? Obey Obey your parents. Again, not because they're mean, but because they love you. But even more so, Jesus loves you even more. Okay, so I'm going to pray for us, and then kids, y'all can be dismissed to your classrooms. God, thank you so much. Thank you for the gift that children are to us. God, even though they are full of energy, they run around, they make messes, they do all kinds of stuff, God.
Thank you for the joy that they put in our hearts as parents, God. And God, thank you for the kids this morning that they get to see with childlike faith how much you love them, God. God, thank you for how much you love us. We look forward to being able to tell other people about this, about this love that you have for us. We love you. We praise you. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. And all the kids said? Amen. Amen. All right, kids, y'all be dismissed. Y'all go, go ahead and head to your classrooms. All right, parents, y'all jazzed? Y'all ready to listen to the rest of this? I just told your parents, what the, your kids, what to do, okay? So the last, the last uh, verse that we see in, these, in this four-verse uh, um, passage that we're looking at today is moves our focus from the kids specifically onto parents. But before we move to that, I do want you to see something that I believe is even for parents in these first couple verses. So the first verse that we saw was Ephesians 6.1, which said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, this might sound a little bit familiar because over the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing uh, what uh, Apostle Paul is describing as the Christian home. And so this might sound a little bit familiar, children obey your parents, because back in Ephesians 5.22, we saw this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as, uh, as to the Lord. So you all see the similarities between these two verses. What, uh, what's one of the key differences you guys see? It doesn't say obey. What, is wives, what are wives to do? Submit. So although those, although those words are very, very close, I want you to see the different connotation between these two words. Submit versus obey. So obey is more of a commanding. It's more of, of a strong language than submit is. So, and although the word, because obey doesn't imply a willingness on that person to, do, uh, to obey, like as submit yourself does. It's a command to do so without question. And again, all the parents said, Amen, that's right. So it, this is the Bible. The Bible tells them to do that, okay? Don't use the Bible like that, by the way. So, <laughs> but, uh, God tells children to obey their parents, not only here in Ephesians, but also in the foundation of the law when it was written because it pleases him when children obey with childlike faith and trust. However, it forces us parents to ask a very weighty question. Does your leadership in the home deserve obedience? Now, don't mishear me, okay? This obey your parents is not conditional, okay? So whether you deserve it or not, God is telling your kids to obey you. So the question is, if your kids are going to follow you one way or the other, where are you leading them? And I think that's the question we have to, uh, uh, to wade through today. I mean, ask yourself the question, would you want to obey someone if you didn't trust their motives? Or if you didn't trust their words or their character? Of course you wouldn't. So, so I'm going to put a pin in this question, and we're going to address this a little bit later. Uh, because this is where our text leads us today. The good news is that God, being generous to us, gives us the answers and shows us what a godly home looks like, like we've been looking at over the past couple weeks. And this whole greater passage shows us what a God-honoring home looks like. So a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Scott talked about how wives ought to engage their husbands. Uh, next, uh, last week, Pastor Paul talked about how husbands ought to engage their wives, and just now we talked about how children ought to follow and obey their parents. And that leads us now to verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there's a lot going on here, so we're going to break it down a little bit so we can see what, what the Lord is showing us through this. So the first question we have to ask is who is God or who is Apostle Paul addressing here in this? 
So we have right off the top, fathers. So all you dads, you thought you were off the hook after last week, huh? No, we got, we got, we got some more for you today. That fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So back in verse 1, we say that, that ch- uh, children were told to obey their parents, yet here fathers are singled out. Why, why are fathers singled out? And it doesn't just simply say parents. Well, theologians actually kind of argue about this a little bit, but here's where I land uh, for three different reasons. I believe that fathers are focused in on, the, in verse 4, for three different reasons. One, that Paul was just speaking to husbands back at the end of chapter 5. So we already have them in view. Number two, fathers set the tone for the household. Um, and this is, as the spiritual the, he, uh, head of the house, he sets that tone, just like we read over the last couple of weeks. And then thirdly, back in this day when this was written, fathers were culturally expected to have total command over their household back when this letter was written. In fact, in the Roman Empire, fathers were legally allowed to treat their kids as servants, demanding authoritarian obedience. The law even allowed fathers to resort to extreme punishments back when this letter was written, like being sold off as slaves, selling their kids off as slaves, or even the death penalty. They were within their rights to to put those harsh punishments on their children. So perhaps, I believe, Paul is focusing on fathers in this, in this passage uh, to temper that common temptation for men to rule with an iron fist. And that's so silly. That only happened back then, right? We don't do that today, right? No, we have that temptation today too, to rule with an iron fist. But as Paul reminds us throughout all of his letters, not just here in Ephesians, Jesus doesn't lead that way. That is not how Jesus demonstrates leadership. As followers of Jesus, gentle, loving, grace-filled leadership is required wherever we find ourselves leading, even in the home, especially in the home. And so with all that being said, uh, I'm going to throw out a big however, okay? So yes, fathers are being singled out here in verse 4. However, let's not forget the larger context of these verses we've been looking at over the last couple weeks, which is the context of a godly Christian family. So all of these warnings and encouragements we're about to walk through can also be beneficial for mom. So although fathers are named at the top of this verse, I believe Apostle Paul had mom in view as well as we're walking through this. And in fact, the context of the original language suggests the same thing. So as we move through this, yes, fathers, listen up, but moms, don't check out, okay? This is for all of us, all all parents. So then we move on to the warning. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So, is it just me, or did the, did the, the get quiet in here a little bit? So, we're all high fives and happy when it says, children, obey your parents, right? That confetti popping everywhere, yeah, we, all, we all agree to that. But children, do not provoke your, uh, do not, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That, uh, that changes the tone a little bit. Because, this is where we see Apostle Paul start to lay out the weighty implications of requiring our children's obedience. So earlier I asked the question, parents, does your leadership in the home deserve obedience? Apostle Paul, in writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, begins to lay out the answers to this question. So it says, do not provoke your children to anger. So again, so what, so what does that mean? What does that mean to provoke our children to anger. You might, uh, some other translations say embitter them to anger or, uh, or wrangle, <laughs> stir up uh, anger in your kids. What does it mean to, to provoke? 
So does that mean that we're to never make our kids unhappy? That we, you should never correct? You should never discipline? You should never say no? Some of the kids in the room are like, yeah, that's, that's the ticket. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that what we believe is saying here? Of course not. So actually, um, R. Kent Hughes puts it this way. We are not to provoke our children to the point that they begin to seethe with, resenting and irrita- with resentment and irritation like sap swelling in a tree in a hot day. So what does this look like? And again, we're talking about parenting, so I want to try to be as practical as we possibly can in this. And unfortunately, as a perfect parent myself, I had to do a lot of research. I had to do a lot of interviews. I had to talk to some of you sinful parents to figure out what's going on here. Uh, for this, I'm just kidding. So yeah, th- this is, I had to go from the deep well of my failures as a parent to bring you to this sermon. So I had to actually cut out a lot of stuff that uh, how I fail my kids on a daily basis. Uh, so I know that y'all, I know that I'm not alone in this room when we say that. So, so I'm not going to list out all of the ways uh, that we can do this, but I'm going to confess the top ways that Blake fails at this, okay? And then maybe, maybe some of you can uh, relate to me, okay? I'm going to be honest. Um, I, I feel vulnerable right now, and I trust that I'm in the safety tree. Are, are, y'all, be, are y'all with me? Okay, I'm not, y'all aren't going to judge me too harshly, right? Okay, okay, because this is me confessing to y'all, and maybe, maybe some of y'all can relate to how I fail my, uh, my kids on a daily basis, okay? So, so the first way that I, and maybe some of you, uh, fall short and provoke my kids to anger is by being unreasonable. So there, there's lots of times where I ask my kids, or, or maybe I don't ask them to do something that are simply impossible for them to do. So uh, one of my greatest hits, maybe some of y'all hear this too, is if you don't clean up your room in 10 seconds, you're going to be in big trouble. Am I, am I the, is, that new, is that like a weird thing you've never heard before? So, yeah, do, do I really expect my kids to, to clean up their room in 10 seconds? Of course not. I'm speaking out of anger or frustration or whatever that is. My, I got my own junk. But... But here's the thing, though. Your kids know that it's impossible to. But now they're frustrated because they know they will fail. And they're put in a horrible position of having to attempt to do something they know is impossible to do in order to avoid the anger of their father, which now they know is inevitable. And a side effect of this, I've learned, is that your kids just start to lose faith in any request you give them. As if they're thinking, well, the last thing dad told me to do was impossible, so I bet this is too. This is a, one way that we, imbi- that we embitter our kids, that we stir up anger in them. One thing that I tend to lose sight of is something that Alistair Begg points out well. He, he said this, we, uh, we exasperate our kids by failing to allow them to be themselves, children. By the way, uh, as I'm reading this, I imagine I have a Scottish accent because this guy's Scottish and it sounds amazing. So, uh, we make demands or offer comments that fail to take into consideration their inexperience and immaturity. Sure, they can be silly. We can, talk, uh, we can quickly point out all of their fallacies because we are older and see the flaws, but they have a right to be children and to learn for themselves. To constantly draw attention to their immaturity is to slowly crush their spirits undermine their confidence, and extinguish that lovely light we call childlike. Let children have a childhood. That's something that I lose sight of often, because I expect them to act like me, as if I'm the gold standard of amazingness, right? So yeah, I have, my, my kid, I have two kids, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, 
and I often expect, uh, speak to them as if I'm expecting them to make decisions like they're adults. And I lose sight of the fact they're seven and four. And I don't, I don't give them the grace that they're due in that. And am I the only one that does that? I'm feeling vulnerable again. Okay. So the second thing that we often do, or that I often do, is being inconsistent with my kids. Our kids are looking for us to show them where the boundaries in their worlds are. But when we apply discipline inconsistently, they have a hard time knowing where those boundaries lie. For example, I've been known to do this. When your kids are getting ready to do something crazy, but you kind of want to see how it goes. Am I the only one that does that? You say, stop, but you kind of want to see how that plays out, right? So when I say stop, I really don't mean stop. I kind of want to see how it goes. But uh, you, you say stop, but you really don't mean it. You say one thing, but you do another. And all joking aside, maybe yesterday our kids did something that got them an early bedtime or some kind of got them in trouble, but today they do the same thing and it's ignored or we don't say anything about it. Our kids will never know where the boundaries lie if we keep moving those boundaries for them. They need us to be consistent. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Again, this is me preaching to myself. Be known for your consistency. Follow through. Do what you say you do or don't do the things you say you won't do, whether in discipline or in blessing your kids. Because when we don't, it leads to confusion at best or in resenting, seething anger at worst. It's another way we stir up resentment and anger in our children. And the last thing that I often do in my failure as a parent is withholding forgiveness. It's something we're all guilty of. Someone sins against us and our natural sinful um, propensity is to hold on to that sin against us. Do you do that with your kids? I do sometimes. Colossians 3.13 reads, Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. As Christians, we have been forgiven of so much, have we not? When we are unforgiving... It just looks ridiculous. I'm going to just say it like that. When we are unforgiving, it looks silly. How much more is this true when we do this against our kids? Who am I to not forgive the lie of my son, my seven-year-old son to me, when, I, when Jesus died on the cross for the enormity of my sin? It looks silly when I do that. And as I mentioned before, they're just kids. They're, they're figuring the world out right now. They're figuring this out. Let's give them the grace that they are due in that. And when they do mess up, do they encounter a loving, forgiving parent? Or are they afraid to admit their failures to you because they expect you to explode or maybe lord it over them for a day or a week or a year? By the way, if, if you're not sure how to answer that question, I'd encourage you to just ask your kids. Ask them that question. And ask for an honest answer. You might be surprised. Because it might give you the opportunity to live up to the other side of point number three and offer repentance to them. Because let's be honest, messing up in our family is not a one-way street, is it? Our kids aren't the only sinners in our house, are they? No, we all are. We all need to fall to, uh, we all fall short of the grace of God. So, or but maybe you're quick to forgive, but you rarely ask for forgiveness when you mess up. 
withholding either forgiveness or withholding repentance can easily provoke our kids to anger, like we're reading here in, in Ephesians 4, or 6, 4. Our kids are watching, and they're going to learn from you how to forgive and how to repent. So let's be good, humble teachers. And let's do it often. Because they need to see you do it. So that's it. These are the only three ways I fail as a, pre- as a parent, okay? So uh, maybe some of you got four things. Uh, you're not as good as me. That's okay. Uh, but, no, I'm just kidding. I, we would be here for hours if we were walking through all the ways that I fail, fail as a parent. Um, but let's make sure that we are demonstrating how we walk through these things uh, in forgiveness and repentance and humility with our kids. So there's other things that we do. Nagging, being demanding, belittling our kids, unnecessary anger, unfair comparisons, lack of approval. The list goes on and on and on and on. So before you feel too down on yourself as a failure as a parent as I feel, I want you to, to, to be reminded of this truth that we see. Where we parents fail our children, our Father in heaven never fails us. Amen? Where we as parents fail our children hourly, our Father in heaven never fails us. Even in the task of parenting that our Heavenly Father has given us, He doesn't leave us to figure it out. How amazing is that? And not only that, if you're a Christian, God also gave you His Spirit in your heart. And so, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of every Christian who is called the Helper is ready to help us even in parenting our kids. You don't have to do it alone. Jesus loves your kids way more than you do, whether you believe it or not. And Christians have the gift of the Holy Spirit that helps us take care of these child gifts that he's given us. It's amazing. Because here's the reality. Discipling your kids isn't hard. It's impossible, okay? I almost had you there, okay? Discipling our kids is not hard. It's impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit, without God guiding us to do that. It's part of God's plan for us to need Him as we parent our kids. We are a needy people, but God never fails to meet that need. Never. So next time you feel like you're struggling to lead your kids well, ask your Heavenly Father for help. Because maybe in that moment, He's inviting you to abide in Him to feel His strength instead of your own. Let's get back to our text. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So see that says, do not do this, but do this. So we could focus on the things we shouldn't do, but I believe this passage is telling us to focus on what we get to do as parents for our kids. So the first thing it tells us to do is to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So looking at the original language here, bring them up has this connotation of feeding or nourishing our kids. So if we are feeding and nourishing them, what are we feeding and nourishing them? What does the rest of the verse say? In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So as a loving parent, you would never withhold food from your hungry kids, right? You would never do that. Of course you wouldn't. Because that would be cruel and mean thing to do for them. You understand that they need food to grow, but are you just as focused on giving your kids the spiritual nourishment they need of discipline and instruction of the Lord? Are you just as focused on that as you are physical nourishment? I know I, I fall short of that a lot. 
So again, looking at the original language, this word discipline, it could also be translated as training. It has the same feeling as an athlete who is disciplined in training for their sport. Think of like a boxer who's at the gym 10 hours a day, training to be disciplined in their sport. And look at this verse as a whole. It paints a really cool picture. Do not provoke your kids to anger by any of the litany of ways you can probably think of, but do feed your kids the spiritual food they need to make them strong. So what are some of the examples of ways we can do this well? Again, we went through examples of way I fail, right? So, so let's look at some examples of ways that we can train our kids in the Lord. And again, this, this list could be very, very long, but here's some of the things that I believe are the most important things we can do. And the first is very, very simple, but very, very profound. Pray. Pray for your kids. Pray with your kids. Pray for your kids by yourself. Pray for your kids with your spouse. Pray with each of your kids one-on-one. Pray with your kids all together as a family. Pray, pray, pray. What did I say? What do you need to do? Pray. You're listening. Thank you. Yeah, pray. And also remember that the God who you're praying to and asking for help is the same God who gave us His Word. And it's the same God who gave us His Spirit, if you're a Christian, and who gave us our children as the beautiful gifts they are. Parenting isn't a closed book test. We get to see how it's done in his word, and we get to talk to the author. How cool is that? Like, we, we have a direct line to the guy that's telling us what a godly home looks like. We don't, you don't have to do this alone. So pray for your kids. You simply cannot do it enough. Which leads me to my second point. Pray some more, okay? So pray. I gotcha. Pulled a sneaky on you, okay? Yeah, so, yeah, so pray. I'm not, I, I say that twice because it's that important. Pray like your kid's life depends on it, because it does. Pray like your kid's life depends on it. Your little kids, which are tiny little sinners, are being raised by you, big sinners, okay? You're going to need some help, okay? You're not, you're not going to knock this out of the park, okay? You're going to need help. We are all depraved and broken by the sin of this world, the sin in our own flesh, and not to mention an enemy who is chasing us down to see whom he can devour. You need help. Pray to the one who offers help. Whether you're frustrated and tired after being up for the ninth time with your infant, or you don't know what to do about your teenager's grades in school, or anywhere in between, pray. God is there to listen. God is there to comfort. And God is there to answer what you ask of him. So one cheat way that I've been, that has helped me to pray for my kids more consistently is this. This is a screenshot of my phone that every day at 2.26, this alarm goes off. And you might be asking, why 2.26, Blake? Well, I'm glad you, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. So what it says is it, it goes off at 2.26 because it shows the verse, Proverbs 22.6, hence 2.26. And it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is wisdom that we get from Proverbs. And it goes off my phone every day at 2.26, not because I'm super spiritual, but because I need daily reminders to pray for my kids. I hope I don't think I'm the only one alone in that. And, it, and it's training me to at least once a day to pray for my kids. Pray that God continues to help me be the, the dad that he wants me to be for my kids. That they continue to grow strong and learn about Jesus and, and all those different things. That they get food today, that they're happy today. Whatever, whatever way you want to pray for your kids, this is a way to do that. So this is a, it's a freebie tip. Take it or leave it. Do what you got to do. But this, this is something that's been very, very helpful to me. 
So the last, next thing that you can do to help train your kids in the Lord is pray. I'm just kidding. Open scripture with them. So some of y'all thought I was going to say pray again, huh? I could have. I could have. It's that important. But uh, we'll move on to open scripture with them. So this isn't just a Blake idea, by the way. So even from the beginning of when scripture was written, we see things like this in Deuteronomy. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, which is like a thing that was literally right here in front of their face. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The implications of doing this are all over scripture, saturating our homes in scripture. The Bible is the living word of God. Do we all agree on that? We agree on this. Just as you wouldn't dare withhold food from your kids, don't withhold the nourishment of the Word. There are lots of really great tools available to us too to do that. Of course, I'd encourage you to give them a Bible if they don't have one, but there's actually really cool things like this that are available to us. Um, for those of you that were here uh, during baby dedications, we gave two of these to, to the parents. It's the Jesus Storybook Bible and the ABC Biggest Story Bible, which literally walks through the alphabet, ABCs, and shows them gospel truths based on each letter of the Bible, or letter of the alphabet. So there's lots of great, cool ways, other than just opening scripture, which you should still do, there's lots of great tools available to us like this that help us to, to saturate our kids' lives in scripture. And there's even this one, which is really cool, which goes through the entire Bible and these beautiful illustrations that they can look at while you're reading these, Bible, uh, these verses translated in a way that helps them understand the truths of the gospel. And by the way, if you need some of those, we have some of them laying around. So if there's any parents today that want one, I can, we can probably get you a copy, okay? So, but again, there's, there's lots of tools available for us to saturate our homes in Scripture like we read about in Deuteronomy. And this serves us. And uh, another way to do this is not only are we reading Scripture with our kids, Another easy way, an easy win, because it's something you're probably already doing, is let your kids just sit in your lap while you're reading the Bible for yourself. Just do it out loud. Just do it out loud. And this brings me to my last, the next point. The most important thing you can do to train up your kids in the Lord is to make sure that you're training yourself. As many of you experienced before, it's hard for us to lead out of emptiness. Would you agree? Using again this idea, this idea of training like a boxer, how many of you would want to be trained by someone who never trains themselves? What's the saying? Never, never trust a skinny chef? As Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. How are we to speak truth to our kids if the truth of God's word is seldom hidden in our own hearts? Train yourself. Oftentimes, it isn't that we're leading our kids the wrong way, it's that we're not leading them at all. Especially when it comes to their relationship with Jesus. A father's silence often speaks louder than his encouragement or correction. Take the time to discipline yourself to pursue your relationship with Jesus. Pray, read, sing, encourage, fast, love, Give, laugh. As the Lord fills your heart with affection and gratitude for Him, 
you won't be able to help the cup from running over onto your family. Don't lead out of emptiness. And here's another side effect of pursuing these things at home for yourself. Your kids will notice. They will see that you take time to read your Bible. They will see that you take time to pray. They will see that you take time to encourage and sing and give. Now, don't get me wrong. The goal is not to be seen, but to grow in Christ-likeness as you engage in the spiritual disciplines yourself. But as you do them at home, your nosy little kids (laughs) or big kids will notice. And, And by doing that, you will show them what is important to you. And it will likely become important to them as you bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Lastly, one of the most important things you can do to train your kids in the Lord is invest in your godly marriage. Invest in your godly marriage. As as Scott and Paul preached over the last few weeks, the godly marriage serves as a picture of how Christ's relationship with the church and how he died for him and gave himself up for it. When you serve your spouse with sacrificial, selfless love, your kids get a front row seat to see a sliver of how much Jesus Christ loves them. When your kids see how you encounter hardships and overcome them as a couple, they see what steadfast love and trust looks like. When your kids see how you disagree with one another and work it out, they get to see what patience and understanding and humility looks like. When your kids see how you disagree with or or even sin against one another, whether you realize they see it or not, they definitely do. It's an opportunity for them to see what repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation look like. And lastly, I, I will turn my focus specifically to fathers. Dads, the way you treat your wife will do two things. It will teach your sons how to treat a woman and it will teach your daughters how to expect to be treated by a man. This is a heavy responsibility. Do not take it lightly. Don't deprive your kids of what their front row view of your godly marriage can give them. And like I said before, the responsibility God has given parents is a heavy one. But don't forget, you aren't meant to carry that weight alone. So let me ask an honest question, and I want you all to give me an honest answer. Parents, are you tired? <laughs> like I said, I have a seven and a four-year-old. I'm exhausted. <laughs> are you weary, parents? Does the thought of parenting your kids make you tired? It does me. So what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes, parents, and I want you to listen to the words of Jesus found in Matthew 11 through the lens of being a tired parent. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your exhausted parenting souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Parents, do this with me. Do it again. The responsibility God has given you is not only to train up your children, but also to invite you to abide in Him. For some today, today's passage means 
recognizing that the Spirit is already inside of you. But for others in this room, perhaps your parenting feels difficult because you've never felt the closeness of Jesus. You feel alone. And you've never experienced the unconditional love of the Father. All you feel is distance. If that is how you feel, we're about to have some time. I'm going to invite the van to go ahead and come up. We're going to have some time for you to be able to come and talk to some pastors that are going to be standing in the back. Maybe the reason you feel so exhausted, parent, is because you feel like you're doing it alone. Because you've never felt the help of the Spirit inside you. Because maybe you're not a Christian. Or maybe it's been a while since you talked to God. We would love to talk to you about that too. So wherever you find yourself Christian or non-Christian or wherever you are in between, we would love for you to come talk to us in the back. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to continue our worship through observing communion. Lord, thank you.